Welcome to Podventure Time. This is the show where I make Ben watch cartoons. Yeah, I mean, that's not that bad, and uh, I've enjoyed it so far. And I'm Pat, by the way. You must be Ben. Yes, hello. So you're, you're, you're liking it so far, kind of, anyway. Oh, I like watching cartoons, yeah. And I think as we've been talking, especially about last, the last two episodes, I think we have started to uh, turn a corner. Or at least I have. I've seen, I've seen Adventure Time turn a corner, and... It's starting to deliver on the promise that you gave me at the beginning of this whole endeavor. Good. I'm glad not to be such a filthy liar anymore. Well, the two episodes we're going to cover this episode of Podventure Time will be episodes three and four of season two of Adventure Time. And I think that uh, we we have a lot of good stuff to cover. I liked the episodes, I will say at the beginning, I like them in general. Um, I think that there are some weak points but we'll we'll cover that when we when we get to them that sounds good and the first one episode three is called loyalty to the king yeah loyalty to the king let's jump right in what we have is a ice king centric episode again and i'm starting to enjoy when i see the ice king show up i would say what are you liking about ice king ice king maybe it's just familiarity maybe it's just sort of a comfort that oh yeah, I know. I know what this is about. It's not. I'm, I'm not going to have to learn a new character this time. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a little bit of that. But also, uh, he's endearing in a psychopathic kind of way. I agree. I agree. Ice King is is something of a. Well, I don't want to give too much away by characterizing him too much. But yes, Ice King is in his own sociopathic sort of way. He is a sweetheart. Yeah, I think it's one of those. <sighs> Sort of like uh, if you're in a in a dating relationship, it's like I I can change him. It's one of those kind of situations. Like <laughs> right, if we have of, the technology, we can repair him. You're kind of always rooting for him to get better. He never does, but you're kind of always rooting for him. Like maybe this time he will. Right, maybe this time uh, this this breakup, which is actually just a princess escaping from him, is going to help him turn over a new leaf. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we've got. This episode is a. Uh, the premise being a princess is dating the Ice King, which is code for imprisoned by the Ice King, and Finn and Jake rescue her. He takes the rescue slash escape as a breakup and goes through some pretty classic breakup tropes in terms of cope, coping mechanisms. Yes, when he's splayed across his weight bench with like a half-eaten pizza laying next to him, that's yeah. that I love that. Yeah, so he he goes on a pretty fast downward spiral and then pulls right back out of it real quick. He spends a little bit of time wallowing in his own self-pity and then says, "Hey, you know what? I can I can get myself out of this funk." And so he decides to make some major changes in his life. The first of which is that he shaves off his iconic giant beard. That's right. Ice King, I think, is rather mercurial throughout the series. We see him... uh, I'm reminded of the episode where he believes Finn is dead, and so he's wailing, but that only lasts for about 10 seconds before he just drops Finn's corpse and moves right on. Right. He does take the 
the the breakup pretty hard, but like someone emerging from a, a tough breakup or from a bout of depression, he looks in the mirror, decides to make a change, and, and he shaves off his beard, which makes him evidently unrecognizable to anyone else in the world of Ooh. Yeah. He starts, he takes Michael Jackson's advice and starts with the man in the mirror. <laughs> he shaves off his beard, looks super creepy without a beard, I have to say. Because yes. the, his no, the beard really hides the size of his nose. His nose looks normal with the beard, and it looks horrifying without the beard. Yeah, it's like as soon as he shaves his beard, no message could have been any clearer. He's got a huge nose. That's right. Oh, I like this. Let's keep. Let's. How many Man in the Mirror references can we get into this? This little. Uh, this one. This little recap. Let's. Keep I don't going. know, but you need to filibuster a little bit because that one took me a minute to come up. With. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the next line of the song. <laughs> I know. I had to shoehorn it in. All right. So he shaves off his beard, and then he says, "Let's go do some exercise." which I assumed would last a short amount of time. But from what I can tell, it works wonders. Did I, did I read that visual change correctly? Or does he have just giant robes and he's actually a skinny guy underneath? What happened is that Ice King removed his muumuu, okay. and he's actually pretty skinny under there. Ah, uh, okay. I thought that we saw a near-miraculous transformation that he had done so much exercise that he actually did get physically fit. No, unfortunately for Ice King, uh, that's pretty much just the way he always looks, but he hides it under his muumuu usually, so okay. when he puts on his, his athletic clothes and goes out to do some healthy exercise, which is a great way to counteract depression, you get to see his trim physique, but there are some issues with his abilities now. Right, uh, so the beard, for one, is how he flies, and so he no longer can fly. Well, that, is that the only issue? Is the beard, he can't fly? Yeah, he does appear to, re to retain his ice capabilities. Yeah. However, he can't use them because... Well, because, yeah, he, because he meets someone at the park. He meets a princess, Slime Princess, is that correct? Yep, Slime Princess is there and... And she doesn't recognize him and starts to fall a bit in love. At least in, has, starts to crush on him because when he introduces himself as... An Ice King. Does he say Anne? Is that how this whole yes, thing works? Yes, yeah, he says, well, I'm an Ice King. <laughs> Anne, as if there's more than one? Right. I'm an Ice King. She hears, I'm a Nice King, and thinks he's a completely different person, because no beard, no moo, -moo and he's exercising, which are all things that the Ice King doesn't do, so she sees this newcomer as a new person who is a self-proclaimed nice king and she starts to fall a little bit smitten with him yeah there don't appear to be a lot of eligible bachelors or at least not royal ones in ooh and slime princess crushes pretty hard and the typical uh source of drama in ooh of course picks up the ball and runs with it yeah lumpy space princess makes an intro lumpy space princess who happened to be about a hundred yards away spying on slime princess Yes. And you're just like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, <laughs> yep. LSP can't start drama if she's in the middle of everything. Right. So she is spying. She's got binoculars and a audio microphone. So one of those uh, dome kind of mics that you see 
used on like the sidelines of NFL games. Uh, she is listening in on the conversation between Ice King and Slime Princess, and Sl- and Lumpy Space Princess says, "Holy moly, there's a new king in town, and he's a nice king." And I gotta tell he's everybody, totally single. He's totally single, and I gotta I gotta tell everybody. Well, I gotta tell one person and tell them not to tell anybody. But of course, that doesn't happen. Word gets out. Yeah. Every princess, every single princess in Ooh, except for Bubblegum Princess, Princess Bubblegum. Yeah. Uh, PB stays above the fray. Yeah. Basically, every single princess in the land of Ooh makes a beeline directly for the Nice King. Word even reaches Finn and Jake uh, via one of the princesses. And I have no idea who that princess was, but she had five heads. Yeah, she was rather terrifying. I, I'm not sure whether she has a name or not, but we'll just call her Five-Head Demon Princess or something. Right. Five-Headed Princess runs into Jake and Finn in the woods on their way back from some other adventure carrying a severed head. And she nearly bowls them over because she's in such a hurry, but she tells them, get out of my way. I There's a new, there's a new nice king in town, and I've got to go meet him. He's mine. Well, that... That tips Finn and Jake off that there is, in fact, a new sovereign in the in the realm that they could perhaps uh, offer their services to. Yeah, they are quite excited at the prospect of serving a nice king. Especially hearing that he's such a nice king. So they head on right over and immediately find the nice king slash ice king up to his old ways his ice king ways but they don't see it for that they don't see it through it at this at first he has placed all of the princesses who have come to try to date him he's placed them all in a cage yeah ice king despite his alleged change in his ways his self-evaluation in the mirror behaves exactly as you would expect him to (laughs) when princesses make themselves available to him so it doesn't appear to matter whether he has to kidnap them or whether they just come running his way, he's still going to go ahead and put them behind bars. That's right. It's what he knows. It's what he knows works. It's what he's going to stick with. So he places them all. It's kind of like he, he's at the park. I think he places them all in the jungle gym, frankly. Yeah, it looks like a jungle gym type situation. Yeah. He crams them all in there to a small amount of protest. They kind of go, hey, this is kind of like a prison. And he just says, no, it's a waiting room. Right. And, and he builds himself a giant sand castle. Right there in the park, like a like not not a kid sized sandcastle, but a I can live in this thing sized sandcastle, and starts taking appointments basically. But Finn and Jake show up as well and offer their services, and he can't believe the the Ice King slash Nice King can't really believe his eyes or ears because they're offering to be his knights, his knights of nice, his nice knights. That's right. Yes. They are thrilled at the opportunity to be nice knights. And so he dubs them his nice knights and then sets them on some tasks that aren't so nice. Yeah, they're more uh, clinical slash administrative uh, slash casting director type assignments. Essentially, their job is to interview every princess and weed out the undesirable ones. Yeah, and Ice King is also worried that the ugly princesses are mixed up with the good-looking ones, and so I think Finn and Jake are in charge of fixing that situation as well. Right. Although they aren't super thrilled with this idea, they 
don't want to make a bad impression on the new Nice King, so they go ahead and do it, start making some interviews. Finn is conflicted. Jake is pretty good at it, frankly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so Finn, Finn doesn't really like what he's doing. He doesn't like judging and making princesses cry is, I think, what he actually says he doesn't like about it. But Jake doesn't seem to have as many qualms. Jake is kind of like kicking people to the curb and kind of enjoys it, I think. Yeah, but Finn runs into the problem that we've seen him encounter several times is that he starts to feel that tension between loyalty to the king, as the episode title tells us, and what he knows is right. Or in this case, uh, he talks about how knights are supposed to behave. He sees a tension between what the allegedly nice king is asking them to do and the way that nice knights ought to actually behave. And of course, we've seen this theme before. Right. Finn has the the platonic ideal of what a knight should be, I suppose. Some sort of idealistic version of how a knight should behave. But Finn, uh, sorry, Jake reminds him that one thing that a knight should do is be loyal to the king. And that above all. So for the moment, he quells, he kind of quashes his, his inner turmoil and presses onward. Yeah, it's, it's actually not to get all political science nerd on you here but um but here we go it's well it's sort of in, i'm not gonna start ranting about marx and businessmen or anything i promise but it is interesting that finn's whole political theory seems to be that uh well it seems to require a perfect monarch all kinds of philosophers political philosophers have talked about monarchy versus democracy and everything and if there's a perfect monarch, everything is cool because then his knights are going to be carrying out his good orders. But when you have a flawed monarch, then you run into issues. And so it seems that Finn has Finn sort of lives in a world where ideally he has someone to serve and that someone is giving him good tasks to do because we see him over and over again run into a situation where he's given an oath or, you know, he has to display loyalty as an admirable quality, but that requires him to suck it up and do some things that he otherwise doesn't want to do. Yeah, that's totally true. And we've seen it before. He has, he has yet to encounter that perfect monarch. Princess Bubblegum, I suppose, had the potential to be that in his mind, but then she, in one of our previous episodes, she ended up demanding that they torture some prisoners they demanded the torture was it was the ice was it the ice king yeah they were supposed yeah. to torture the ice king to fix the freezer burn flu and she also yeah. uh is pretty vengeful against the duke of nuts when she believes that right. he has thrown the potion to to harm right. her so yeah finn uh has an independently developed sense of ethics but he doesn't appear to be able to put it into practice on his own very well he's always looking for someone to boss him around and then he runs into trouble when that person tells him to do something that he does not think is right. Yeah. Well, so we're definitely in that situation right now in that they have unwittingly pledged service to a known evil character. So we have the scenario here where Finn and Jake are currently working for the Ice King under the guise of the Nice King and they go and talk to him about oh, well they is that what they do they go they want they do they confront him is that the next thing they do to kind of say hey we i think finn does i think finn goes and says hey i don't i don't really like what's going on and and the ice king tries to throw him off the scent by sending him on a what 
appears to be a more traditional knightly task. Yes, the the final straw for Finn really where he feels like he has to confront the nice king is when <laughs> poor LSP shows up and uh, and, yes. uh, and and the nice king wants to see what LSP would like where she <laughs> he declares her to be too loud and lumpy and so he wants to see what it, what she would look like if she were smooth and LSP appears to have some self-esteem issues, and so... As does most of the princesses in the episode, they are all falling over themselves to change change their ways to be whatever the nice king would want them to be. Yeah, it's it's kind of bizarre and makes me a little uncomfortable, quite frankly. Like, yeah. they're always mean to Ice King, which makes sense, because he's always trying to kidnap them, but the fact that he shaves his beard and so becomes unrecognizable and merely asserts that he's a nice king is enough to uh, <laughs> essentially woo every princess in the entire world. Is uh, it, it doesn't say a lot of good things about either, I suppose, the male population of Ooh or the way that that male population treats the princesses of Ooh who don't appear to, you're right, they don't, any of them appear to have very good self-esteem, but LSP in particular decides, well, if I'm too lumpy, then Finn, go ahead and and punch me until I become smooth, and this is a bridge too far for Finn. Finn will not punch a princess, and when the, even when the Ice King, the Nice King, demands that he do so. And, and even, it's, it's interesting to me, actually, that he won't print, he won't punch LSP, even though LSP is asking him to punch her. It's like, he has just decided that punching princesses is wrong, whether I suppose whether it's consensual or not. Or I almost want to read sort of a uh, a more thoughtful feminist idea behind what Finn does and refuses to do here. You know, he is not going to participate in LSP's debasement in front of this king, no matter how nice he is. He doesn't want her to actually go through with harming herself in order to make herself more acceptable to him. So even though LSP is saying, punch me, Finn, punch me, I want to be smooth, Finn's not going to go along with it, but then (laughs) LSP ends up beating her own lumps out anyway. Right. That is definitely the scenario. She's being judged and assessed purely on a physical, be- physical physicality and is being asked to debase herself in, in, in front of the Ice King. She does, unfortunately. She turns herself smooth. She turns herself into a perfect sphere through punching. And even then, though, the, the Ice King, again, his mercurial ways, he goes, eh, still don't like you. Get out of here. Turns out when Ice King has the pick of the litter, he's he's a pretty picky dude. In the, in other episodes, I think with the Ice King, they've pushed a boundary or pushed sort of a thought that there's a redeemable quality somewhere inside there. It's like a desire to, he just wants to have friends. He he's just not he just not equipped to deal with social situations well. Right. But this is some pure selfish sociopathic kind of behavior this is yeah to the extent that you might have thought before that you know if if ice king could just get past the the sociopathic barrier that he puts up and let someone really get to know the real him then he might find true love it it doesn't seem like there's an actual real lovable ice king anywhere in there there's no inner turmoil with the ice king on on any of this behavior that he's conducting right now it's not that he feels bad about what he's doing or he doesn't have any guilt about what he's doing. He clearly sees all of these actions as the right way to handle this. 
Yes, it turns out that even when women like him, he still doesn't know how to <laughs> treat women appropriately. Correct. You hinted at it before, but in order to throw Finn off the scent and also to deal with uh, <laughs> a little problem he's experiencing, which is his quickly regenerating whiskers, he sends Finn and Jake off to steal his razor back from the Ice King who stole it from him. Right. And Jake and Finn are thrilled at the chance to have a true adventure. And so they head off, I think even shouting, get ready for battle. And they head to the Ice King's palace, find their way inside, find their way to the bathroom, and find the pile of whiskers that the Ice King left behind when he shaved. Very suspicious. Very suspicious. They even remark and and put the whiskers on their own faces and remark at how easily they can start to look like the Ice King just by using these whiskers. And then it dawns on them that the Nice King is, in fact, the Ice King. They put two and two together, and we've got a problem on our hands. Yep. Head on back and confront confront the Nice King... They accuse the the nice king slash ice king of, of being a fraud. The ice king tries to deny it for a moment or two, but no no doing. And Finn and Jake decide to uh, kick it, kick his butt. As they so frequently do. Indeed. <laughs> One of the lines I liked was, I think the ice king is trying to make a getaway, and he says, like, I can't fly. And, and then Finn comes flying out of nowhere and goes, let me help you, and just, like, kicks him out of a window. <laughs> right. Uh, and, then, and then, while falling at terminal velocity, pulls out a bunch of whiskers and glues them to the Ice King's face, and then says, now go fly. Yeah, it's sort of like, if you float, you're a witch. Right. Now go fly. He doesn't. He just crashes to the ground. I kind of like that gag that he didn't fly. He just crashed. Yeah, I think I think the glued-on beard probably isn't quite as aerodynamically effective as the magical actual growth. Sure, that probably makes sense. But upon seeing the re-glued beard, all of the princesses realize that this is, in fact, the Ice King. And they realize what he had been making them do for his love. And they decide to take matters into their own hands. And finish the butt kicking that Jake and Finn started. Yeah, he gets his just desserts. Mm-hmm. Speaking of colloquialisms, I think Finn ends the whole episode on a pretty, pretty sad pun. Something about, <laughs> uh, something about a close shave. I think. Yeah, he just says, "Well, that's what I call a close shave." And then I actually, I, <laughs> the the joke is terrible, but it's all made worth it by Jake putting his hand on his forehead and shaking his head and laughing to himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not even like really that apropos of a saying, <laughs> but <laughs> no, it just there happened to someone happens to have shaved at some point in this episode, and so right. it, it right. doesn't work on really any level, but. No, uh, I think that it's a uh, it's a good moment of of broness for Finn and Jake that Jake goes ahead and <laughs> laughs at Finn's joke even though it's manifestly terrible. Yeah, so we have a we have another Ice King episode. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. This is a pretty I think this was a pretty standard episode. It wasn't it didn't there was some I think he brought up some good concepts about Finn's morality and his desire for the perfect monarch to serve the perfect monarch i think that's actually pretty accurate and the whole undertone and of feminist 
theory going on with how the how the princesses are behaving around this new this new suitor. Those are kind of interesting too, but they didn't really like hammer on any of that. It, it was sort of background, I think, to this episode, which was mostly a not a caper, but something like a caper. Just it, it's a it was a pretty standard problem that had a had a bit of a sitcom feel to it, like the sitcom problem of just a mistaken identity. Yeah, and Finn trying to figure out whether he's going to be loyal or do what is right is certainly a theme that we have seen before. I do think that the reading that takes into account the princesses and the way that they react to this new Ice King and the way that Finn reacts to their reaction is a little interesting, but you're right. We didn't uh, blaze any trails. This is another one where Finn and Jake, there may have been a lesson out there for them, but if they learned it, it's not totally clear. All they learned was that this is, in fact, Ice King, and so let's go ahead and beat him up again. I enjoyed it. I just didn't think, I didn't think too much of it, frankly. I mean, just it just didn't, it didn't impact me in any major way. I just thought it was, okay. I just thought it was okay. Yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the same page with you. It was, it was fine. Ice King changing his ways is interesting. But you're right. It's it's just kind of a case of mistaken identity. So thumbs up, maybe cocked sideways on this one for me. I wasn't blown away by it. It certainly, I don't think, lived up to either of the previous two episodes. It's kind of just same old, same old in a lot of ways. Hi, everyone. It's your super fan host, Pat, here again with the part of the show where I pick up the pieces that we forgot. So, of course, we forgot to thank our good friend Will Yates once again for allowing us to use his wonderful song date night off of his ep i know the feeling we use that as both our intro and outro music it makes our show sound a lot better and so thank you will we are grateful as always we're also grateful to the folks on the adventure time subreddit where i posted the show this week and we got an uptick in listenership so i hope that it's some of you folks from reddit and i hope that you know how much we appreciate you and your responses in the thread were very helpful we're going to incorporate some of your feedback i'm working right now on getting the show up on youtube for those of you who prefer to listen to podcasts that way. So thanks to the folks on the Adventure Time subreddit. You can follow us, of course, on Twitter and Facebook. We're at Podventure Time on Twitter. We have a Facebook page under the name of the show, which, of course, as you probably know by now, is Podventure Time. We also have a Facebook group where you can holler at us or each other about the show. And uh, we're also going to ask you this week to take the time, if you can, to rate and review us on iTunes or any other place where you find our podcast. That will help us increase our visibility a little bit and it'll help us know just exactly how much you love us so thank you to everybody who listens thank you to those of you who are contributing to the show in any way and we will be back next week with more pod venture time let's talk about the next episode then yeah so we get to season or episode four of season two and this one is called blood under the skin this episode revolves around a quest and the quest is for a magical suit of armor that we'll get to. Uh, the way that we get there is that Finn and Jake are... They are battling what appears to be a very frightening insect, uh, but it's actually just a regular-sized ladybug. Yeah, I totally identified with this because, well, not the battling part, but the desire to get the bug out of the house. But I, I don't like killing the bug. I mm-hmm. if I could if I could I I prefer if I'm going to catch a bug in my house I prefer to take the bug outside. I don't like the flushing of spiders or 
bugs. I will I will every time try to take them outside. And I know that I'm probably just releasing them out into a harsh, cold world that they're going to die instantly <laughs> in anyway. Like a bird's just going to grab them. Or it's like the middle of winter, and it's like, yeah, they're in my house because it's warm, and I'm just going to put them out in the snow, and they're going to die. But for whatever reason, it feels better to me. Uh, and yeah. So, yeah. So identify with Finn... It's pretty funny that he's attacking it with a sword. It's a ladybug. The contrast between the uh, sort of roaring, ugly, fearsome ladybug and Finn's over-the-top reaction to it, and then he ends up just taking it outside. That's a that's a funny juxtaposition. I do want to go on record as disagreeing with you, though. I think it is always okay to enact any type of violence upon spiders. They can be smushed. Their legs can be ripped off. You can call them names. You can demean them. You can do whatever you want because spiders are bad and they're evil. And if you throw them in the snow, that's fine. But you probably just want to step on them. Uh, to any of the listeners, feel free to to tweet photos of giant spiders to Pat. He loves them, and please, please do the biggest, the big ones, the bigger the better. I think there's even ones that like trap birds. They're so big. Send him photos nope. of those. Nope, no such thing. Can't be. <laughs> this is all pretext. This is all just a bit. Uh, the bug thing is the thing so that Finn can run back inside and slam the door to make sure the bug doesn't get back inside. As he slams the door, he gets a splinter, a very tiny splinter, in his finger from the wooden door and proceeds to overreact to it. As we've all experienced, even a small splinter can cause a significant amount of pain. So it's it's a little it's a little weird to see uh, our brave hero Finn reacting in such a way, but I don't think that he's totally out of line. It hurts. It certainly hurts. So they decide that he needs to go find a way to solve the problem. It's sort of implied that perhaps that you should just pluck it out, but Finn's solution is to go and get armor for his finger from a character that. I can't wrap my head around what is going on. What is even his name? Is it the Choose Goose or the? Yes, Ju- I I didn't realize that this was our first this this was our first meeting with Choose Goose. He does uh, appear fairly regularly. Yeah, his name is Choose Goose, and he is a fairly classic sort of merchant character who has access to whatever plot device Finn and Jake might need, but of course is always demanding some kind of trade for whatever it is that they want. And in this case, uh, (laughs) Finn Finn gets the thimble thinking that that's going to be fine, but he decides that he needs something else from Choose Goose, and that's how he ends up going on the quest. But the reason that he decides that he needs something else from Choose Goose is kind of the, the basis for the whole underpinning of the episode. Right. I don't think we should get past Choose Goose right yet, though, because <laughs> there is, it is the goofiest, it's saying a lot, but he is a, even within this show, he is a goofy-ass character. Yeah, uh, he's weird. He's he, definitely weird. And he's got that, I wish I knew what he was mimicking, but it's a classic cartoon voice of sort of like a, oh, like, I can't even really do it. It's going to sound horrible. Yeah, it's like the sort of classic loon. Like, yeah, yeah. And he also makes he 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 speaks in bad rhymes. Right. He. I mean, it's. I think, and also the pronunciation of his name. I think Finn pronounces it "choose goose." Like, like the goose is not with an S. It's like he takes the Z sound from "choose," and I kind of like it. Uh, the "choose goose," and. 
anywho, I it took me a while. I just sat there staring at the character for a while, and then I had to like get back into the episode. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about it. Yeah, I so I I didn't think twice about it because we do see choose goose quite a bit in the in the rest of the series. Uh, so, but yeah, it's a uh, jarring when, introduction to this character. Yes, when when you're not used to choose goose, I can see how it would be uh, it would <laughs> it would be a little surprising. So, anywho. He is trying to buy some armor from Choose Goose. The reason he wants armor, though, and you're right, we should cover this now. The reason he wants the armor is because he's actually pretty satisfied with his initial purchase of a thimble. Very to, proud of his thimble. It's a thimble to protect. It's essentially armor for his finger, which will protect against further splinters. Although it doesn't solve the problem of the splinter that exists on his own finger at the moment. But it does protect against further, further splinters. And he's pretty proud of it until he sees... A group of other knights who are showing off their full body armor. And they see Finn with his little thimble and proceed to dress him down. They proceed to make fun of him and mercilessly make fun of him for how pitiful his armor is. Yeah, Finn, Finn wants very badly to fit in with the tough knights and their armor and and he says hey guys look at look at my armor and that causes them to literally fall over laughing because that's just a thimble and they have real heavy armor that is uh some of it's so good that it that a, a knight breaks his sword on it right and all of this is made worth <laughs> made worse by the arrival of <laughs> a character that I thought was even more bizarre than Choose Goose, quite frankly, Sir Slicer. <laughs> Sir Slicer, who is a very impressive looking knight riding upon a pink steed, a pink horse. And who appears to have the ability to sort of loudly materialize out of space. Right. He is he knows how to make an entrance. And he proceeds to give Finn the the most severe tongue lashing and severe he's the most severe at making fun of him for his for his little thimble. And he's he starts a running gag through this episode that never dies. And I hope it I hope it continues through the series, frankly, because I liked it so much. Uh referring to his he tells him that he tells Finn that his armor is definitely not and I hope that translates over the audio here but it's the sort of the sound that you make when you make finger guns and point at somebody and like Right and it's it's accompanied in this episode with sort of a well the the characters only have four fingers but they're sort of making an okay gesture and winking and yeah you're right. Right. Yes. So and in this instance means sweet I suppose, and right on, and perfect, and righteous. So yes, the the knights with the tough full body armor all have armor, but the thimble is definitely not exactly. And we're doing it a lot. We're doing it this this bit a lot because it keeps going, and I I really liked it. Yeah, and and Finn immediately goes to Choose Goose and says, "I need the most armor that you have." And Choose Goose uh, understands ex- implicitly what he means. He understands fully what he means by that uh, sound and tells him of a legendary armor that can be attained by going on a quest. He actually first requests, I think the head of Jake as a payment. 
Yeah, he's got some samurai armor sitting there, and and Finn can have that if he just gives him Jake's head. But of course, that's, uh, that's Finn isn't going to go for that. So, sure. Choose Goose says, "Well, I, instead, I can give you a poem, and the poem is a guide to the legendary armor, armor of Zelderon." Right. So it is a. This is a proper quest. You need to solve a riddle, pass some challenges, and if you if you are worthy, you will receive the magic armor of Zelderon. So Finn is on board for this kind of an adventure. Yeah, he is into this stuff, as he said, I believe, early on in the series. Yes, exactly. So he goes off on the quest with a scroll, with a poem, a magic, some sort of a riddle poem on it. And they head on out and they immediately, well, not immediately, but they get eventually to a swamp. That Finn and Jake arrive at a swamp and this appears to be the first trial first part of the quest right it's it's a little different from a lot of other quests where finn can perform feats of physical daring do instead he has to make his way through what we eventually learn is the swamp of embarrassment right the swamp of embarrassment essentially entails a swamp full of curtains that he has to open and behind each curtain are various people showering in the nude and it's the embarrassing moment of walking in on someone who is naked and finn cannot handle it and finn cannot handle it but to pass through it he has to go through like 40 of these right yeah and it's just a it's a it's kind of uh disney-esque or not i think i've seen disney sort of merry melodies where Someone has to make their way through an embarrassing situation, and you hear a series of like screams, like embarrassed screams and uh, surprised, no- surprised noises, and sort of the main character going like, "Oh, excuse me," uh, uh, and kind of getting right, their, right. Going their and, way and through. Women like clutching towels to their chest, right? Exactly. And things like that. Uh, classic cartoon stuff, I think, is what I what I'm referring to here. And so he has to make his way through. On the other side, he is red in the face, full of embarrassment. And he has blood under his skin. Is that what he says? Well, no, but that's the title of the episode. Oh, yeah. That. So this is where it becomes clear uh, that the quest of this episode and the lesson and the moral isn't about what Finn can do physically. It's about Finn dealing with his own self-confidence and more specifically his own capacity for embarrassment. So he is bright red. He has just made his way through the swamp of embarrassment. And then that doggone Sir Slicer shows up again. Makes makes a dramatic appearance only to make fun of Finn. Only to say, look at your red face and you don't... You don't deserve the armor. You'll never be with a face like that. That's right. And as as Sir Slicer announced that Finn had just conquered the Swamp of Embarrassment, I was taken back to the never-ending story, and I really wished that there had been some kind of joke where Jake went with Finn. So Jake, Jake, I think that it's important to note that uh, Jake does not go with Finn through the Swamp of Embarrassment. Jake realizes that this is sort of Finn's trial, and I don't know if Jake just stretches his way over. But I do wish that Jake had been with him because I think that there was a really good opportunity for some kind of Artex, you stupid horse joke <laughs> in the Swamp of Embarrassment. Oh, man, that's a good one. Well, 
the next thing they have to deal with is they have to go to another trial. They've he he is red faced now. Finn is Finn can't even get rid of his embarrassment from how embarrassed he is. So he is sort of constantly blushing from this point on, and he gets to the next trial, which is to silence the echoing wails of a forest or something like that some sort of yeah. metaphorical phrase what they find out is that they 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 get into the forest and it turns out that there is a large monster that is crying a female yeah, monster yeah the uh, the episode goes ahead and gets pretty doggone weird right here <laughs> yeah um, it's a female monster it's sort of like a yeti looking thing i guess like white fur and it has a red face and the, the it's crying and that's what the sound is and the task is to make it stop crying essentially so jake offers to help in this instance but finn says no this is my trial i'm going to step out here and i will i'm going to do this as he steps out into the into the uh clearing where this yeti monster is the yeti monster turns and sees finn and his red face and sees in finn a baby uh that uh, perhaps a, a a child that this monster never had or a child that this monster lost but in in Finn sees an opportunity to raise a new baby as her own and immediately immediately swoops him up his his red face is offset against his white hat which makes him look like a very small yeti and so she does she she cradles him in his <laughs> she cradles him in her arms and uh Jake infers a certain intent <laughs> behind what she does right <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jake. Jake says, uh, "Oh, she wants you to be her baby. I think she wants you to nurse." <laughs> and Finn is horrified at that thought. Uh, I think the embarrassment level jumps another notch for him at this point, and he can't handle it. And at this very moment, at this most embarrassing of moments, who shows up again? But Sir Slicer to rub his face in it a little bit more. And, and Sir Slicer is not alone. Right, that's right. Sir Slicer this time to up the up his game brings along his personal minstrel to sing a song <laughs> about how non Finn is. Right. Uh and I, I, I think it's worth pointing out that this is the first song I think we've heard in the series that I didn't enjoy. Like it's not it's the first low quality music that anyone has performed and it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's uh I mean it's purposely bad. Like the voice is bad on purpose as a gag. It's not clever. It's it's it didn't have a real a real hook to it. Yeah, I I think that it was probably intentionally bad on the part of the show's creators because well we we learned some things about Sir Slicer at the end of the episode which we'll get to. But it's a mildly effective way of taunting Finn and Sir Slicer wins the day again and gallops off with leaving Finn and Jake in his wake and Finn of course is still feeling very embarrassed he hasn't overcome that yet but they have managed to reach the doors that open to the chamber which contains the armor of Zelderon yep and they kick open the doors Finn and Jake style and are confronted with the third trial which is a ghost it goes ahead and stays weird right here. Yeah, they, they do not turn the weird meter down. It is a ghost, which is a pretty standard guardian kind of character for any kind of uh, magical armor, I would say. It's a ghost that guards the armor. However, this ghost challenges them to a game, a trial, 
Yeah, he's he's not any kind of uh, ghost under a sheet who speaks like he's scary. No, no, <laughs> Instead, no. Instead, he's sort of shaped like a pickle, and uh, he says, well, you got to beat my top score and drop ball. <laughs> That's right. And Finn and Jake are confused, but game for this and say well what's drop ball and the ghost shows them and it is for lack of a better word it is a terms it is a game where you drop a ball beneath you and then see how many times you can pick it up with your butt cheeks that's right (laughs) and the ghost has a great line says i don't want to alarm you but my high score is six (laughs) the 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 genuine affection that the ghost has for the game of drop ball is both hilarious and ultimately his undoing because right. he he wants to show off <laughs> uh, to Finn and Jake how good he is at drop ball and while he is uh, <laughs> well Finn Finn tries it and of course this is very embarrassing for Finn it involves a uh, a body part that uh, is naturally embarrassing and Finn is not quite as dexterous with his butt cheeks as the ghost is and so he's very embarrassed and so the ghost tries to show him up and <laughs> as the ghost is <laughs> the ghost is going to put on a tutorial essentially the ghost right. says you know what i'll give you a bit of a, a primer here well while he is distracted with uh giving these intricate details of of how to properly play drop ball finn and jake just decide to take the moment and slip past him into the... Yeah, the, the ghost gets a little cocky because he says, now I'm going to go ahead and put a little finesse on it here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when Finn and Jake are able to sneak past him and burst into the, into the chamber cha- where the armor is. And the chamber with the armor is glorious. The armor is as glorious as promised. It is shining so brightly you can't even see it at first. But then when it is finally revealed, there's a problem. The Finn armor, does not like the armor of Zelderon. The armor of Zelderon is female breastplate. Yeah, and, it's sort of a... I, I would say it looks sort of like a Valkyrie-type armor. Right. And it is... Even with the gold... The armor has a, a helmet, and the helmet has golden braids built into the helmet. And then the chest plate is uh, built with breasts... Female breast, very, very buxom, very buxom breastplate, chest plate, and Finn is too embarrassed to put on the armor. He, it is right. It is for girls, and it is, uh, it is too embarrassing. Yeah, he's he's overcome his embarrassment and all of these trials to get the armor that he thinks is finally going to make him feel no longer embarrassed, to give him self confidence, to make him. But in fact, that armor is completely unacceptable because it looks like girls' armor, and so Finn is horribly embarrassed by it. And as per usual, at the moment of highest embarrassment, who shows up but Sir Slicer? First, the ghost comes back and and realizes that they abandoned him uh, in the middle of his very thoughtful and helpful tutorial on how to play drop ball and he was just trying to be nice and they pulled one over on him and because of this slight he transforms into a hideous monster it reminds me of the uh first ghost that you see in the library in ghostbusters uh yeah yeah 
Totally got you there. Yeah, big good... teeth, long hair. Mm-hmm. Kind of banshee like, I would say. Right. Yeah. Well, it, he's a much more fearsome monster now, and he begins immediately sucking out Finn's will to live. Yeah, or his soul. It, it, Finn, Finn, uh, twice a... now in the second season so far, has had someone attempt to suck his soul. Yeah, he, Finn is in a bad way. And the irony is that he had been told uh, by the guardians of the armor that this armor is so that it will protect him from all evil, including ghosts. Right, but he took it off because he didn't like it. But he took it off because he was embarrassed, and now he is being his soul is being eaten by a ghost. But Jake, who always seems to have a lot more self-confidence than Finn does, uh, he puts on the armor and without any problem... And fills it out nicely, I would say. Uh, he grows him. He makes his body grow to fill it out, and and then he goes to the ghost and scares the ghost away by embarrassing the ghost. Frankly, yeah. Well, he, he the ghost seems to believe for some reason that Jake is his mother. <laughs> in this female, and, and, in this yeah, the female armor, I guess, reminds him, or maybe this is what the ghost mom used to look like. Yeah, so so Jake scolds the ghost for staying in this cave and playing drop ball all day and night. You need to go out and get some doggone sun. That's right. But uh, turns out that the 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 much like a vampire, I suppose, the ghost does not react well to the sun, and so when he heads out, he vanishes. Right. The ghost vanishes, but then is is essentially free. The ghost comes back immediately, and it appears that there was some sort of curse that had been placed on that ghost that had kept him in this cave playing drop ball. And by going out in the sunlight, that that has removed the curse, and now the ghost can uh, wander freely, or at least pass through to the other side contently. Yes, he's very appreciative to Finn and Jake for having freed him from the curse of drop ball. That's right. But Finn still does not have armor, and at this moment, this is when Sir Slicer arrives on the scene to make fun of Jake, make fun of Finn. Sorry, one more time. For having failed in his quest, essentially, uh, right? Not, not he, achieving. He has armor. managed to find armor, but it's <laughs> it is not. But is. Uh, Finn has actually learned his lesson this time. Yeah, that is a new. We'll call it maybe the first out of how many episodes have we watched now? First of uh, twenty six uh, or twenty eight episodes now. So 30 now. I think there were 26 in the first season and we're four into the second. So it took us, yeah, 30 episodes for Finn to actually manage to learn the lesson he was supposed to learn. Yes. Uh, and that is that he does not need the armor to have self-confidence and to be strong. And he stands up to Sir Slicer, who then is put out a little bit and, and like a classic bully doesn't I suppose how we would all hope that this would happen if you stood up to a bully. Uh, the bully reveals himself to be much more incompetent and much more uh, worthy of, of, of ridicule than originally thought. Yeah, Finn really turns it around on him. And, you know, Sir Slicer is making fun of him for not having armor. And Finn says something to the effect of, man, I'm not the one who's been following a little kid around all day. Yeah. And uh, the slicer doesn't have a good rejoinder to that and kind of fumbles a bit and and then throws an insult Finn's way. And Finn says, why don't you come over here and say that to me with your fists? And Sir Slicer tries to take him up on the challenge but falls off of his horse because of his own armor 
being too heavy. So yeah, when he tries to dismount, he collapses to the ground and can't move because his armor is too heavy. So his his own armor, hoisted on his own petard, I would say. Mm-hmm. Hoisted, foisted. Did I say that one right? Hoisted, I, I believe. Nice with the with the H. Got it on the first try. The so he is uh he is undone. Uh, Sir Slicer is shown to be not the uh, bastion of of as once thought, and. And Finn, you're right. Finn has learned a lesson. It's an, it's a it's a miracle, frankly. <laughs> he has learned his lesson, and I think we end the episode right there. We don't have the, is that the essential conclusion? I yeah. Remember. Well, we we get sort of a full circle as Sir Slicer attempts to prop himself up on a stick and gets a splinter of his own, which uh, allows yes. Finn to throw the thimble at him, and then. Jake decides that he really likes the armor of Zelderon, and so they fly off, and Jake is actually able to bust the top off of mountains in sort of a uh, a strip mining <laughs> sort of move as he flies off. He's become quite powerful, evidently, because of the armor of Zelderon, and that is the happy ending to this episode. Yeah, I think, they, I think we end on him saying, this armor is very... And then we, when we close out. Yep. So I saw this episode for what kind of you just saw, said, which is that this is a a miraculous, wondrous moment in which Finn learns the lesson that he was supposed to learn. We will see if it sticks. Probably not. I don't have high hopes, but it is. It's a it's a momentous day, everybody. Yeah, Finn Finn figures out that he doesn't need armor to be cool. I mean, he should have known that all along because Finn's been kicking butt for over a season now without any armor so but uh he he realizes that his fixation on armor is misguided he's good enough and smart enough and doggone it people like him even without armor and so sir slicer can you know go pound sand yeah i never thought of finn as lacking self-confidence before this episode however i don't know it's it's a i mean he, he he definitely seeks validation a lot I suppose that's what it is. It's he he wants validation from either us, like we've talked about in this episode, a, a perfect sovereign, or or just anybody really. And so I guess it's a continuation of that. But he's pretty self confident in his own abilities usually. Yeah, he's confident in his own abilities, but he does. You're you're right. He he does want to be reminded that that he's doing the right thing. But I I think here you know Finn's twelve or thirteen and. At that age, it is very easy to forget yourself and want to be like everyone else. And when you stand out for any reason, particularly one that people are making fun of you for, you know, you're not. And that's very hard when you are a young adolescent and you don't fit in. And embarrassment is a real thing that you have to struggle with. And eventually, I think most of us are able to sort of overcome the crippling power of embarrassment. I think it stays with us throughout our lives to some degree. But when you're 12, man, embarrassment can really run and ruin your life. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and if, I, if I'm if i trying to think back to what... Well, I'll ask you too. What do you think... There's probably been several through your adolescence, but like... What has what have the metaphorical play, uh, sets of body armor been for oh, defining for defining coolness? 
throughout well, childhood. Well, so, I mean, I think that our our elementary school with a bunch of rich little white boys running around was really bad about this. There was always some kind of, like, material object that... You're going to say starter jackets, aren't you? That we had to have, yes. Yeah. Starter jackets. <laughs> yeah. Fitted ball caps. Yeah. Uh, I remember at Eisenhower, Banaka was a very big status symbol. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so were things like Fruit Loops, or not Fruit Loops, Fruit Roll-Ups. Um, anything basically uh, that someone who had been deemed popular decided was cool then became sort of a national obsession. Well, yeah, I mean, and I don't think that was unique to our school. I think kids find ways to stratify their their social, yes. their social uh, structure everywhere Uh, it's just that ours were jackets that were ugly and cost a hundred dollars in the early 90s (laughs) oh man yeah starter jackets i i'm like as i sat after watching this episode i tried to think about these things like okay like what was what were the things that defined coolness and oh man starter jackets jumped right out of me just because because of the i think the link was here is it's it's this thing you put on. It's a it's a piece of clothing, much like the armor was in the episode. So that jumped out fish. But man, Banaka, you're right. Owning and using Banaka was uh-huh. a weird status symbol for about a half a day there, wasn't it? Yep. You know, in middle school, I think there were there were Jinkos. Sure. Um, shoes. To... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Airwalk shoes. Yeah. Yeah. If you couldn't fit your entire body through one of the legs of your jeans, then you weren't doing it right in yeah. middle school. That's right. Yeah. Oh man. We Come had on. lots of dumb reasons to be embarrassed. Yeah. Oh man. Well, thankfully we've outgrown most of them, but you're right. They never really leave a good lesson to be learned for everyone in this, in this, uh, this episode of adventure time. Uh, I, I enjoyed this one too. I'm going to say for these two episodes, though, on the whole, these felt like these, these did not advance. These did not advance the promise that you had made. And I'm not holding this is not on you. I'm not saying that these were bad episodes. I'm just saying I don't think these were like the typifying awesome episodes of Adventure Time that you when you think back about your fandom of Adventure Time. I don't know that these two would like jump out as like great ones right yeah i i completely agree they're they're pretty normal i think that the the first two episodes of this season kind of l- left me gobsmacked in a way because we learned such startling things about some of the characters yeah. you know uh i think that ice king acknowledging that he just wants to be happy but is incapable of it you know that at the end of that episode i think that my mouth was just kind of a gape like oh man i just feel like i've learned so much these these episodes finn learns this lesson and it's a good one you know it's something that every kid his age has to learn but uh i didn't think that it was anything i didn't think there was anything very remarkable about either of these episodes i think we're on the same page yeah these were these were kind of side questy episodes Ever since you brought up the metaphor of like Dungeons and Dragons and role playing games like that, I've thought about that a lot as I've watched some of the shows and watched the episodes since then. And I think I would say like the first two episodes of this season were heavy. Those were like heavy character development, role playing kind of episodes. Whereas these two episodes were more 
you're off on you're off on a quest combat kind of thing and it is a little bit of a little bit of just standard running and gunning kind of video game style just action or, yeah, I think the yeah. the first two episodes fit more into the arc of the whole series and universe, and these two were, you're exactly right, they're side quest episodes. But uh, not bad, not bad at all by any strength, stretch of the imagination. Some pretty sweet gags. I really like the, and I hope it kick, sticks around, Choose Goose is a goofy-ass guy, and <laughs> to hear that he sticks around too is... I'm glad to know now because it was it was jarring to hit him <laughs> to to meet him the first time. Now I'll be ready the next time. But yes, I thought I thought these were fine. These are fine episodes, and I'm looking forward. Let's move on to episodes uh, the next two, and we'll we'll talk about them next week. Any uh, anybody fit into your dreamscape? I don't think so. I don't think I I thought about it as I watched these, and I didn't think about any kind of. Uh, I think in the past, the previous two episodes, we kind of talked about how Ice King to me feels like a manifestation of of Finn's self that he would like to repress or Finn's sort of a, his maybe his his id, his, his id. yeah Finn's id exactly that i don't think that we learned anything else new in these i think these were much more directly about i mean the the second episode was about Finn and himself there was no metaphor there it was just about him overcoming embarrassment yep uh, so, no, nothing to add to the Dreamscape universe right now. Let's hope that next, uh, maybe the next two episodes will have something to add. But Yeah, I think, I think these, were, these yeah. were pretty status quo, but we have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. We'll be back soon with episode 18 yeah. of Podventure Time, where we'll look at uh, episodes 5 and 6 of episode 2. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I, I don't remember what they are, but I think we're... We're going to enjoy them because we, we tend to do that here on Podventure Time. Yeah. But until we come back and talk about those, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this, of course, has been Podventure Time. You go back to the waiting room now, ma'am. 